What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Previously on OK Talk. Let me give a Bigfoot howl and let's see if we get a response. Is that cool? Yeah. You do Ready? Ready? Tonight, on an all-new, okay, talk. You walk through our forests, yet you remain a mystery. What are you? Why do you hide? In the land we call wilderness, there lives a creature that has become one with legend. I looked out my bedroom window, and peeking over the fence line, I saw one. At the moment, it's about to have an unpleasant encounter with the self-styled masters of the wilderness. Well, put it this way, now is calling our dogs out in the middle of the night by name, that changed everything for me in terms of my belief of what it is. Greetings. Greetings and salutations. Hoping that the late October finds you well. Welcome to OK Talk. I am Clint. And Matt and I are so very excited to share tonight's episode with you. Something that we've been working on for a while. Tonight we're going to take you to the Pacific Northwest more specifically the Olympic Peninsula to a place called Devil's Creek you've heard us speak of it before and we've even played some audio that has been captured there over the last few years but tonight the owners will for the first time share their story with the public. I'm thankful and honored that they're doing it with us here. The beginning of their story is one that we've all heard before. Family purchases their dream home only to realize that things are not as they seem. And that dream quickly turns into a nightmare. 
the events that we're about to share with you and the current state of the property has expedited something that I was planning on doing anyway. I am, in fact, going to be traveling to Devil's Creek midweek, so in like two days. This seems like a place that we need to go. I'm compelled to see for myself exactly what's happening. And of course, I'll be bringing you along for the ride. I was reading a short story earlier this afternoon by Ted Klein, entitled The Events at the Peroth Farm. And there was a passage, oddly enough, I thought captured what it must feel like to be a prisoner in your own home. Thought I would share this with you. It's almost 2 a.m. now, and I'm about ready to turn in. Too bad there's no bathroom in this building. I hate pissing outside at night. God knows what's crawling up your ankles. But it's hardly worth stumbling through the darkness to the farmhouse and maybe waking up the Peroths. The nights out here are really pitch black. Felt vulnerable, standing there against the night. But what made me even uneasier was the view I got of this building. The lamp on the desk casts the only light for miles. And as I stood outside looking into this room, I could see dozens of flying shapes making right for the screens. When you're inside here, it's as if you're in a display case. The whole night can see you, but all you can see is darkness. Lying in bed now, listening to sounds in the woods. The trees come really close to my windows on one side, and there's always some kind of sound coming from the underbrush in addition to the tapping at the screens. A million creatures out there. After all, most of them insects and spiders. A colony of frogs in the swampy parts of the woods. Depending on your mood, you can either ignore the sounds and just go to sleep or, as I'm doing now, remain awake, listening to them. When I lie here thinking about what's out there, I feel more protected with the light off. As always, I implore you, please take a moment of your time to rate and review the show in a tunes. We're on Facebook at OK Talk Show. You can email us at OKTalkPodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter. We're on the YouTube. Check us out. And if you haven't, share the show with someone. Things are about to get real. People, things are about to get real. And when I told you that that's what we were doing with this show, the idea of legend tripping, I meant it. I, like so many of you, I need to investigate the stuff myself. So, after a couple of nights of fish here in the DFW, I will contemplate my place in the universe 
activate and set forth once again to bring you tales. I plan on bringing you precious contraband and ancient tales from distant lands. So I hope you enjoy tonight. I know you will. Thanks to everyone for all the support. And if you're new to the show, I'm glad you found us. Be sure to subscribe. Do whatever you can to make sure that you're caught up because I'm going to be hitting the ground running here in a few days. I think we'll probably attempt to do a live event. It sounds corny, but like I know something, I know something is about to happen. I know it is. So without further ado, let's talk about Devil's Creek a little bit. Matt and I reached Donna and Greg at their newly acquired farmhouse far away from Devil's Creek via the miracle of telephonic communication. Why don't we just start at the beginning with you guys purchasing the property that we are going to refer to as Devil's Creek. How long ago did you did you purchase the the property? We we got the property about what's it been three and a half, four years ago? And um, when we bought it, it had actually been empty for four, four and a half years. It was used as a second home. So people would go there maybe once or twice a year, sometimes three. So it wasn't really used. Um, and, and it had been that way, like I said, for four, four and a half years. When we got there, we moved in in September. What was it, Greg? September? Middle of September, like the 15th, I believe. And... So we were there, and Greg travels a lot. He um, he travels probably at that point, especially at least 95% of the time during the week he's out. He's um, across, you know, the United States, whether it's St. Louis, Florida, wherever it's at. So I'm there a lot by myself. And so when we moved there, and I'm used to it. I mean, that's, you know, we've lived in very remote places before, and I've always been by myself, and it's never bothered me. Um, so one of the things I noticed is, uh, our dogs were starting to act really weird, uh, almost immediately after we had moved in and we couldn't figure out what was going on. And there used to being around, uh, deer, uh, bear, um, all sorts of stuff. We've always lived in remote places in the woods that's had all these things going on. And so they're very used to it, but this was different. They were acting really odd. And then we had some weird things happen, like, there's a there's a small door, half door that goes underneath the house, um, a little bit bigger than a crawl space. Um, parts of it you can actually stand up in, and it was like something was shaking it. You know, I'm thinking, oh, maybe it's a raccoon or something. And one time it was opened, um, and just just odd stuff. And, and Greg and I would talk about it, and I would tell him about it, um, and then he started, you know, started witnessing it too um, when he was home on the weekends. And yeah, then, but, but it, it, the doors would only open whenever I wasn't there. She she would call me and tell me these things, and you know she would make a comment that she thought an alpha predator was around. You know, there's been talk of cougars and different things like that in the past where we're at. Um, so you know, all we knew is based on the dog's behavior being afraid to go outside when they're always like you open the door and they rip roar out something was around then I, I don't attribute to, to a cougar or something with the door i just figured it was a raccoon or something you know right. or something was stuck underneath because we we've lived in a house before where a raccoon got stuck underneath the house and it died and it was gross and it, um, this was this was within a 
right as soon as you moved in, you started noticing this this type of stuff, or a yeah. little bit afterwards? This right right as we moved in, you know, within the first week. Were you worried um, it, at all? Not really. I mean, because it wasn't like it was not like a consistent wild things were happening every night. Just just every day or every night, it was just odd stuff. You know, just odd things were happening, and we just couldn't figure it out. And you know, we just thought there was some animal around. Um, on December uh, December thirteenth, uh, about five p.m. or excuse me, December fifth, um, a little a few minutes before five or a few minutes after five, right in that time frame. Um, if you were to look outside out your window, if you were sitting inside, you would say it was dark outside. But if you were outside, you'd, you'd, there'd still be a little bit of light. You could still see. Um, Greg and I were driving home. Now this house. Um, that we lived in is up a mile up a dirt road um, with switchbacks with deep ravines down on either side Um, on some parts either side and then other parts you know you're going up the hill it's you know you got the cliff side so you're going up this this road and at the very bottom there's a beautiful natural spring that comes out of the side of the mountain that comes down and at the very bottom you go over that spring as it heads out towards uh, towards the ocean um so we were just right in that area, and um, to be honest, Greg and I had been arguing, and so he was, we were, believe me, neither one of us wanted to look at each other, so we were both looking at either other windows at that point, and, um, and that's at that, that time, and that's when I saw it. That was, it was um, pretty amazing. Um, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's when you saw it. What did you see? I saw... Um, when I first when I when I first noticed, I was looking out my side window, um, and it's that dusky hour, um, barely light, um, but it was so close it, it could have reached out and touched the car. Um, there was a tree there, and, and even though we hadn't lived there very long, you recognize terrain very easily. Um, and there's a tree, um, and then all of a sudden there was something else there, and I was looking out, and I could see. And it looked, I mean, there's something that happens to your mind when you're seeing something that, that shouldn't be. Um, it's like everything happened in slow motion. And I, I remember it exactly. I, I looked at a tree and I looked at something that looked like a leg, like a calf, a well-formed calf. And I'm like, well, that's weird. There's a tree where there should be, and there's not. There's, a, there's something else there. And then the sigh, I mean, the sigh was really weird. Um, it was very, very big. And then there was like, the only thing I can describe it is like a bubble butt. Um, and, and very well formed. And, and you could see, um, even though it was hairy, I could see, um, uh, definition of muscle. And I'm thinking in my mind, um, well, this is kind of what I'm thinking it is because it's starting to, things are starting to turn really fast. And we had, Greg and I had watched that show, um, that Finding Bigfoot show off and on, not regularly but we'd seen it um and 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 but it never occurred to me ever that 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 would ever exist i guess um but then i'm thinking okay where's if this is some person or something where's the hands well the hands were enormous and they were down low and it was leaning forward it wasn't standing straight up um and then the the waistline tapered in and then it kind of veed out like a bodybuilder, and there's a massive amount of shoulders. I mean, they were just huge, and these muscles. And you could see muscle definition on the stomach. Um, and keep in mind, as we're going by, um, we're going up, and we're actually, I'm actually getting different views of it. I'm getting it from kind of behind to the side, and as I'm turning my head, I'm getting a front view. Um, and then 
about that time, um, I'm, as we're going a little bit slower, we're going slow, by the way, because it's a, a dirt road and there's ruts and so forth. And also, it's winter. That winter, there was a lot of ice that first winter that we were there. And um, so everything was frozen. Um, as I'm looking back, I'm now looking back out of the um, passenger or the passenger window um, in the back seat um, on the right side. And it, so it's a little bit tinted, and it's just tinted enough at that time because of the lightness and stuff. I couldn't see. All I could see was shadows then. And then I saw the shadow of the head and the shoulders, you know, the typical thing that you think of as a Bigfoot form type of thing. And it just seemed like the head was so much smaller than the shoulders, like it, like it was almost too small for those shoulders. It was just... Um, and and my words were no no way no way no effing way well, and and well, um, well, let, yeah let let let's be real about your words and I I will qualify <laughs> this is that um, Donna does not swear we were coming home from church <laughs> and she starts spitting out words at the top of her lungs that uh, I don't normally hear her say. So what do you do at this point, Greg? Uh, um, well I'm driving up the hill. Um, and you know, my attention's on the road because where this occurred was a sharp turn. She coming up the hill. So my, my attention's on the road. I, I did not see what she saw. I thought, well, at that point I hadn't, I hadn't spit out the word yet. He kept asking me what, 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 what? Yeah. I, I, you know, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know that if, if she was having a medical issue, I didn't know if, you know, somebody had texted her something, you know, uh, tragic, or I, I had no idea what was going on. And I was trying to get it out of her, and she just kept the exclamation of, you know, oh, my God, you know, a uh, you know, couple F-bombs and everything else that normally doesn't come out of her mouth. Did it react to you it at was, all? It, it didn't really move that I remember. I mean, it was it was tilted and I don't know if it's because of the, because, you know, it was kind of down in a ravine a bit, um, but it was tilted forward. And if I try to do it, I can't even do it. Um, but it, it definitely was looking at me. I mean, I definitely could see a reflection of, of eyes, um, you know, as, we're, as we went by. And it was catching, I don't know, if it was catching a taillight or something, um, the reflection, because you have to have, in my opinion, you have to have something that, you know, gives a, a light to get a reflection of, of an eyes. Um, but, um, you know, finally he, he was asking me what, what, and I, I couldn't, when I looked at it, this thing was built and, and I've said it before, it was built for business. It was, it was a, a living, breathing thing. It had hair, it, it had muscles all over, and it was built for that terrain. And, uh, you know, Bigfoot to me is, uh, seems more commercialized. And, and so I didn't know, I, I wasn't quite sure what to get out. And finally I said, Bigfoot. And, you know, Greg's response is, um, you know, do you want me to turn around? And, I, and I'm just still in shock. I can't say anything too much. Um, so he does go up another two switchbacks, and he comes back around, and he was going to roll down his window, and I said, I freaked out. And well, I said, no, no, you, no. You, you, you didn't even want to go down. I, these things are so so large. I don't, I don't um, unless you realize, unless you, you know, people talk about it and so forth, how big they are. Until you really see it, you just don't get a comprehension of it. It's like seeing a... Um, you know, the buffaloes are big. Well, when you actually see one, like, in, in, at the park or at uh, Yellowstone or something like that, you just don't realize how big they are. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're just huge. You start to turn around. You turn the car back around. You want to roll the window down. 
done is not having it. Correct. And do you guys stop the car? Do you? Oh, no, no, no. I made him go all the way out to the road and drive right back up. I, I wanted just to get home. We had animals at home. I didn't, I didn't want to stop there. Yeah, I, I slowed down. I put the high beams on. You know, I kind of uh, weaved back and forth to try to direct the lights into, into the ravines there. I think another important note to state is that where we, you know, where she saw this was at the source of a natural uh, spring that comes out of a, a aquifer. It was part of the stream that comes down right. underneath. Right. You know, so and and things were frozen. You know, any any still water was frozen, um, and the the stream was still running. So, I was trying to force the lights into those ravines along that creek to be able to see if you know I could see anything, basically, um, which I did not do. You know, I didn't see anything. So well, there, you really, there's really no way that you can really force the light in there unless you're going sideways, anyways, because the, right. the creek doesn't doesn't follow the road; it goes across it. Um, so it's really difficult to do that. So prior to seeing this, the only thing that that was going on at your house was the stuff that you described earlier the the dogs acting weird, the the door possibly being opened. I mean, were you hearing things? Were you sensing no, anything we, else going on? You know, once in a while, you know, just you know, you just we had just moved there. Um, you know, I just wasn't paying attention, and um, you know, as far as you know, you're, if you're talking about vocalizations and stuff like that, um, you know, not 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 that I remember. Um, you know, the, just the when I say you know the doors being opened, it was the the pounding on the it was the pounding on the house where it's shaking. It was shaking it. Um, you know, that small door. And then sometimes the garage door, which was separate from the house, would be opened. Okay. What month did you say that you guys moved into the house? September. Okay. So it was September of 2014? 2013. Okay. Okay. All right. So after you had the sighting, and I understand some of this stuff sometimes can be hazy because Mm -hmm. when especially something like that, obviously is pretty traumatic. Did you guys get back to the house? Did you discuss what you saw, Greg? Did you think that she was going loopy? Well, the thing about it is is when you see something like that, to me it's still still clear today as it was the day I saw it. I think when you see something traumatic like that, I think it almost brings, makes things sharper, if that makes sense. Right, right. I guess more, I was thinking more along the lines of it can be easy for the timeline to get a little bit shaky. Um, I agree on that one. Once you have that initial traumatic event, then it's like the days start to kind of run together when of when exactly we heard something next. So I was just kind of wondering, were when we got when we got back to the house, um, one of the things I did is, um, and I don't know why I just did it. I, I wrote down a few things that I would re- so I remember. Um, you know, and I called my my sister and I was talking to her and, and Greg. You know, was he was kind of pacing and, you know, looking out and stuff. And, and, um, and keep in mind that was at the bottom of the hill and we're a mile away up, up the hill. And, um, my sister, uh, she's a, was an avid watcher of that, that show and all things kind of weird. Um, which I was not. Um, and she, um, you know, she mentioned about, 
yell, doing that yell that people talk that people do on that show. I can't remember what it's called, but um, so Greg instead of, and I told Greg that, and he was you know right there in the room, and he was working on the fire. Um, we had a wood stove um, there. He took two two uh, sticks and walked out on the porch. And you want to tell the rest of the story, Greg, on that one? And yeah, right I, after it happened. This actually was about two hours after that happened. Yeah, I, I saw it. I, I slapped the I slapped the two sticks together like you know I've seen people do before and and uh, immediately after those two sticks being slapped together um, you know keep in mind we mentioned it was frozen that night so um, in the you know in the moist air of the Pacific Northwest you know all the grass turns white. Um, with the the the, uh, the the dew freezing on on the grass, right? Um, so I I bang those two sticks together, and immediately after, <clears throat> I hear something very heavy walking bipedal down the hill about twenty five yards from the house. Just starts walking away from the house, back down the hill towards the ravine. Uh, along our house, which we now know leads down to the creek. Um, and, you know, what I, and I didn't doubt what she saw. I didn't doubt her in any way, shape, or form. Um, but after, after hearing that, um, it just became far more real to me, if that makes sense. Um and, uh, and, and far more incredible to me. One of the things that, um, that uh, Greg left out a little bit was um, on, when you walk out to our deck, our deck on the back side of the house, our deck is high up. Um, our house is built kind of on a hill a little bit. So if you're walking in the front, you're, you're walking, you know, level with the ground off the back. It's, it's, you know, it's sloped down enough. So the deck is up higher than the ground. So, and it, and it continues sloping down a bit, not drastically, but it continues going down and down. Um, that's why we had beautiful views and so forth. Um, so the deck's higher than the ground um, by at least a story. Um, and the other part of it was is that um, I was outside for a bit of that, um, and I, I heard the, the um, heard the stomping going away, and um, or the walking. It, I, I was obviously bipedal, um, and then I was zipped inside the house. I wanted nothing to do with it. Um, but Greg mentioned that he heard like a huff, a humph um, type of thing at that time. I know deer can make a, some type of noise like that, but I, I, I don't know. Well, Greg, you know more about that. Yeah, I mean, I've I've, I've heard deer give that give that warning snort, if you will. But I mean, it, it, it's, that was not it. And it was similar, but you know what the, the cadence and the bipedal walk, it was so clear because of the frozen grass as it um, descended away from the house. I mean, it was just unmistakable. Right. And so 25 yards from your position, that's y'all's property. This is about, You'll have about five acres? Correct. A little bit more. Okay. So, I mean, that's right there. Yep. Oh, yeah. It was, it was right there in the yard. Did this change the way you felt about that place? 
You know, after, um, you know, there's a, <laughs> after that, um, a lot of things changed. Um, I didn't go outside um, by myself um, at night at all. Um, I wasn't very comfortable going outside during the day. I always stuck really close to the house. You know, things started happening. And not like on a daily basis, but things would happen. And, and you're just very, very aware at that point. I contacted um, the Olympic Project, and I talked to Derek. Um, I don't know if you've had a chance to talk with him or not, but we, we think highly of the Olympic Project. They're a great, great group. Um, I like them a lot because, you know, they don't jump to the conclusion everything is, is Sasquatch-related um, or every sound, every creek, every, everything like that. They're also very methodical in, in how they go about studying things, whether it's sounds, measurements. How they go about it is very professional, and there's a great group of people there. So when I talked to Derek and I, and I talked to him about what happened, um, and, and um, you know, we had a conversation and so forth, um, he listened to my story, and then I started having a couple other things happen. Um, we had a garden there. And now, now, now when you talk about fuzziness, if I had my computer going right now, I actually have things listed in order. One of the things that happened was our garden there was fenced around because of the deer, but it had a big, heavy bolt about the size of my finger um, that would uh, that latched it. That bolt, something actually pushed on it so hard that it stretched that bolt and stripped it apart to open that gate into our garden. At that point, you know, Derek came over and took a look at some things and so forth. And then I was hearing things at that point. I started hearing things a lot more often. Um, things I was noticing, let's put it that way, not more often, but things I was noticing. And that, that's when I got in touch. Derek put me in touch with David about that time as well. Now, now would this have been in the fall of 13? Correct. And so during that time, things were kind of happening. And when I say things were happening, they were, you know, I just didn't know what to make of the things. You know, I didn't want to fall into the, to the, you know, first of all, your, your, my, my stress level was high because I didn't want to go outside at night. Things were still going on with the dogs. I was hearing weird noises. I, I talked to Derek. I'd found something that looked like a footprint, and I, at that point, I almost became one of those people that, oh, every little thing was was uh, Sasquatch-related, which it wasn't. Some things were, some things were not, and some things you just don't know. And and what we attribute to Sasquatch, because we really don't know. There's no nothing out there that we've been able to study. We haven't, don't have a study group of them. But in the fall of 2013 and 14, excuse me, just before that, after a summer and so forth, it seemed to like die down a little bit, and then it started picking up again. Derek put me in touch because I've been talking to Derek so much. Derek put me in touch with David and the sounds, and that's when David came out. What What were the sorts of things you said you were hearing? Things what were you What were you hearing? There was uh, one summer night we had the windows open. And it actually not only woke us up, it woke the neighbors up too, which keep in mind that, you know, everybody's got five acres or more up there. Um, there's this huge, loud scream. It's, it's, I don't know, Greg heard it. Um, I was half awake anyways. And it was just so much volume to it. It was just crazy. Never heard anything like it. And I've been in the woods most of my life. You know, I've lived on top of... A mountain. I've, we've lived on lots of acreage. You know, I've hiked through the Amazon jungle and stuff. I've, I've had a lot of experiences, but this is something I, I had never heard before. Yeah, I've heard that scream. 
I've heard that Pretty scream, cool. and it changed uh, changed everything for me this year as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, if you extrapolate from what I saw, the size of it, and if you take a, a think of what, um, and this is what kept going through my mind, if you take what, like a, a, a gorilla or a, a, even a monkey, um, how much strength they have, and you extrapolate that to the size I saw, I mean, the mm. strength that, that, that it must have has got to be tremendous. I mean, you know, Greg keeps telling me you should be safe in the car. Well, based on what we know about the strength of the gorilla and everything else and what I saw on this thing, the cars won't make you safe. It could get you if it wanted to. But between that first sighting and when the Olympic project got involved, I guess what the span of a, almost a year, did you see anything else? Did you see it again or any anything else? Um, no, I, I did not. And it was actually the Olympic project got involved a little bit more than uh, before David got involved. It was almost a year. Okay. Before that, there, Derek was still, you know, Derek was involved. Um, you know, Derek would listen to me. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I talked to him. Um, you know, still trying to sort things out. Um, and I was trying to do research. And when you go to research the subject, there's a lot of crazy stuff out there. You don't know what to, to <laughs> what's real, what's not real. Oh yes. There's no way that can be real. And there was a book that I read called 911 Missing. And it was the stupidest thing I ever did was read that book first. That was the first book I ever read on this subject. You mean the missing and, 411? Yeah, that's the one. Uh-huh. And that, that scared me even more. And that made it even worse for me. Um, and so that, that, that was really, it was a really difficult time. I mean, Greg will tell you, I would not go out and Greg's gone all the time. So when darkness hit, I was upstairs on the second story. I would not be on the bottom story. I'm kind of looking at a little bit of the timeline that I was given from David Mm -hmm. and I actually discussed one of these pieces of audio real recently with Matt because I was in a zoo and I, I, I think I emailed you this or something, Donna. Oh, the, I, well, you texted me. I don't know if you emailed me. The chest beating? Right. When I was, the first time I heard that noise, we did not, it was, I, we were not recording then. Um, I was just starting to talk to David on the phone. David hadn't been out there. Um, I was letting the dogs out one time. And the very first time I heard that, um, I was, it was, came from the ravine side of our house. And I'd walked out on the porch, and I was telling David the only thing I could think of that would make that that would make a sound like that is me pounding on my stomach or something. And that's when he. Uh, yeah. Like, in fact, if you don't mind, yeah. I, I actually have the email that you sent to David. Oh, okay. And I think this is fascinating. It's almost like a time capsule in a way. We saved all of our emails and text messages. Yeah, that's how I can go back. Which is genius. And it was really helpful for him to to lay out so much of the stuff to me. And then it was just a massive information dump. And I was telling Matt, I was like (laughs) trying to sift through various things that there was so much that it was almost too much to. And I wish I had it in front of me. Like I said, we don't have our internet hooked up yet until tomorrow. So I wish I had it in front of me because I could go through it with you, but go ahead. I'm I want to hear. So this is uh this is an email that you sent him on October 16th, 2014. Oddly enough, almost two years ago Mm -hmm. to the day. Uh, 9.05 p.m. Took Layla and Bridget out the side door to go potty. I stayed on the deck with a flashlight, and they went down to the driveway. Right away, 
when they were in the process of getting fully in the driveway. And then this is in huge, bigger text in red. And I don't know if you did this. David probably did this. He has a way of doing this with email, as you know. Oh, he does. I heard what what sounded like someone slapping on their tummy rapidly. No other sounds, no rain. It was damp, though. Mild temperatures. The girls, their dogs, went below the driveway, but no other noise was heard. Quote, shine my light below, did not see anything. This is so crazy. I mean, we, were, we really were just talking about this, but David comes back and tells you that there's doves and pigeons can create this kind of sound when fluttering away. Keep your eyes and ears open. And uh, he pulls some audio he has it in quotes. I heard what sounds like someone slapping on their tummy rapidly. And this is David saying, Donna, that's a gorilla chest beat behavior. I have that recorded during an investigation on a reservation. I have a comparison gorilla chest beat that I've included. And here's the gorilla chest beat that he included. And her response is, that's it. That's almost exactly what I heard. Hmm. Now, you said that was before you guys had started recording, but this is the this is a chess beat that was recorded on your property after that at some point. Right. And I told Matt the other day because I was 25 yards away from the gorillas at the Dallas Zoo. And I witnessed that and my jaw hit the floor. It was after we had had this conversation and after I'd seen this email and this audio and I thought how rare that it's a sound that's unlike something else. It doesn't sound like what you would think a chest beat would be. The the only thing that I, the thing that I immediately compared it to was like the sound of a, of a wood block or something like that in a, in a, you know, in an orchestra, it has that sort of hollow quality to it. But it's not when you think about a uh, an animal beating its chest, or a, it's that's not the sound that you would think. But when you actually see it happen, or when you're near it, you you realize, oh, that 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 sounds completely different than what I would have thought. And then when you put those two pieces of audio together, I mean, the the similarities are immediately jump out at you. Oh yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? I mean, and, and to me, and, and to, I heard that in person. And then, you know, David and I, and then you've gotten to know David uh, too, uh, very analytical, and so we discuss things a lot. But so you know, he talks about cupping of the hands, or you know, there's different ways that they they think that they can produce that that sound. But it's it's not like something you'd hear normally out of anything that I know of. Greg, I mean, you're. She said you're you're traveling a lot. So, what's going through your mind? With all this stuff happening back at the homestead, and you're out on the road, I mean, are you are you worried? Are you starting to think that uh, you know it, it it may not be such a good idea to be away from home? Or what, what do you? How do you feel? Yeah, um, you know, I'd, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't. Um, you know, I, a part of me was trying to reassure her that. You know, she's safe. Everything's okay. My my fascination with this 
grew. I, I didn't have the experience to see it. Uh, you know, I, my desire grew to be able to learn more and understand what was happening and to potentially see it. But I felt guilty because I'm not there, and her fear level was so high. I mean, she wouldn't go outside the house. This is very, very active. She loves to be outside. Um, she just she wouldn't walk. She wouldn't go out. She wouldn't. It just it, it changed her world, and I felt guilty uh, because I wasn't there to perhaps help her get through that. Was there also a part of you that said there's no there's no freaking way this is what's happening. There's no way that we are on a property surrounded by Bigfoot. I mean, is um, it's it's it, got to be hard to, to wrap your mind around, oh, right? No, no, no. You, you, you know what? That's a great comment, and it's very true. I know she saw something. I heard something walk away. You know, and if we're taking us to that time frame that we're talking about when she heard the, the, the chest beat, I, 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 I saw a bunch of weird things happening. But your mind always, you always go back. In my mind, at least, always went back to, you know, well, maybe it was something else. Maybe that noise was something else. I, I didn't, I didn't go. I don't want to say off the deep end because that's that's too strong. But I, I, I didn't go totally all in on this, like, oh, my God, until after the first night we recorded. That that changed everything for me. Probably a very good segue. Yeah, so let's start to, let's start to get into your recording. Of course, David, as he does, instructs you to get a certain type, or he probably gave you a recorder at this point. Well, David came over. Do you want me to tell you that story? Sure, sure. Okay. So what happened, um, you know, I started hearing things um, more often, as you can tell. And so David came over, and it was really interesting. And I had also found a footprint at that time. Uh, we'd been out uh, walking, the neighbors actually and I. They were We were looking for chanterelle mushrooms. And so we, when we were looking for those, we actually found, and it was the husband actually that found a footprint. A, a rather large footprint. I mean, just right there, um, a footprint, and another one that actually went around a stump. Like there was some flexibility there, so when it you could, it was it was really interesting to see it went around a stump. And so at this time, you know, David David was coming out. He came out a few days later. I tried to. I'd never tried to make a cast. He tried to instruct me. I had the wrong stuff. I have it, but it's kind of not that great. So we went to go back a couple of days later um, after all that was David. And the first thing that happened was there was a structure there. There was limbs, some of them the size of like the length of uh, roundness of my arm and, and nothing too majorly big, but still big that were jammed into the, into the ground. And these were limbs of trees that were not, um, growing in that area, so it didn't fall down during a windstorm or anything like that. But they were jammed, and and there was they, it was blocking the path that we had gone into directly in the path that we had walked into um, when we were looking for the chanterelle mushrooms and where we found the found the footprint. So, um, which was amazing to me. I mean, it was just it was a structure. It was obviously made. I have photos of it. It, it was it was interesting. 
it was, it was in the shape of an X blocking the pathway in that they took. Well, p- yeah, part of it was an X. I mean, part of it, uh, you know, there's two things that made an X, and there was branches, and there was more than two branches. I mean, it was definitely a type of structure, but it was definitely blocking the pathway. David went in, and we went in um, in there, and he asked me, and I showed him where the footprint was. And what was really interesting is that I had made the, the casting of that footprint, and I had done it wrong, of course, and it wasn't drying. So I covered it up with a piece of plastic and, and uh, put something on it. So when we went to go get that cast, um, and this is before the um, the block thing, before it was blocked, before David came, then uh, the very next day there was another footprint right next to it, like it had been looking at what was what we were doing or something, or following that same path. Mm. So that was very interesting too. I mean, it just shocked me. I mean, because it, it it blows your mind when you think less than 24 hours ago it was there, standing exactly where you're standing. It was right there. And the the footprints are hard. Not, I mean, they're so big and they're so they were so distinct in that soil right there because it's big trees and there's a lot of mush to it. It was it was just amazing. Um, but when David got there, he asked if if he could make a sound. Um, he takes his hands and he cups them. And he puts them over his mouth, and somehow he makes a popping sound, almost like a wood knock. And he did that, and he got an answer. And then he got, he did it again, and got another answer. And all of a sudden, it was flanking us. It was trying to get around us. It was the wildest thing. It was, it was, and that was during the daytime. And they they were just right there, and so that's how that all started. Parts of the story. I mean, it, it's it sounds like. I've heard it from other witnesses, the idea of uh, the trees being knocked down in the path. I've heard of that happening before, where, it, where it's almost like it's reacting to you being there and is uh, is trying and this to... Was, this wasn't actually knocked down in the path. This was actually taken from someplace else yeah. and put there. There was no trees in that area no. like the tree that was put into the ground there. It was it was like, and I don't know how they do it without breaking the stick because it was really like six inches in there or more. Yeah, so so that and then the flanking behavior, I've heard of that happening. I mean, did you guys know the people who lived there before you? No. Have you talked to them since? No, um, not at all. Um, the, the neighbors... Um, Interestingly, you know, that, that I, I talk about, we don't really talk to them anymore, but um, we were over there for dinner one time, and um, he brought it up. We didn't bring it up. He, he mentioned that his son-in-law swore there was a Bigfoot coming down through there, um, you know, because evidently his, his son-in-law had had some experience. I'm not sure quite what it was, but they would be out at night, you know, having a, um, you know, having their fire pit going. And they would hear noises, and his son-in-law would say that he he thought that was a Sasquatch. Now that just um, came out of my. The chicken is fantastic this evening, and pairs yeah, well I mean, I mean, with this just, Merlot. By the way, there's a Bigfoot walking through your yard. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know I don't even know what we were talking about. You know, you get the you had the, they had the wine going and stuff. I think we were just talking about. I don't even know how that brought up got brought up. Do you remember, Gray? I yeah, I really don't. Did you no, tell them that you had seen one? Well, no. at that point, I said, "Well, and we really haven't talked to anybody except for the Olympic Project people. I, you know, it's just not something you go around saying because they look at you kind of cross-eyed. I mean, people that know me, and I say something now, I'm not so self-conscious about it. And by then, I and then I was just so scared. 
they they don't question it one one bit because um, they they know me. But at that point, I said, well, he's probably right. And then that's when I told my story, and that's so they they knew something was around. You know, they had thought, you know, kind of, sort of. His wife was not quite convinced. You know, he was all in type of thing. She she just wasn't too sure. Didn't want to be too sure. And that was pretty much the last time you talked to them. Pretty much. <laughs> From that point on, it was kind of like, well, we can't well, have them. There, we can't there. have them over anymore, honey. They, they were they were there when David was there the first time, and then he never they never talked to David again either after the flanking. So. Well, I understand that. I mean, I kid, of yeah, course. Really. You know how big of a fan I am of that guy. No, um, David is amazing. Yes, he is. And interestingly enough, Matt, if you'll remember. When the Falk thing happened, the Falcow, the very famous, though mm-hmm. underreported Falcow <laughs> happened, there is that horn vocal that he initially attributed to a cow that I was like, well, there was a cow over there, but that. Yeah. And then after I told him that I don't think that was also a cow, he mentioned Donna and an active investigation site Mm. and Donna emailed me and was basically like, you're lucky because David's awesome, buddy. It's a good story, but yeah, he's awesome. And in fact, he really is. And there is honestly so much information and evidence that we have. I keep in mind one thing to keep in mind too on all those things that you're that's recorded that David that you know I've recorded and, and David's gone through and everything else. Every single one of those things have come off my back deck. Right, which is just right there. Well, I've obviously seen pictures of the place and know exactly what we're talking about. That is the thing that is crazy to me is that it is just like a backyard. It you obviously. The place is in a beautiful wilderness scene. I mean, you can see Mount Olympus in the background, and it's it's amazing. It looks like it's out of a magazine, a travel magazine, if you will. But um, it also just, there's a yard there. There's no, I mean, I mean it's not like this we- is happening hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of yards away. This is, you put a recorder right on the deck and walked right back in because you didn't want to go off into the woods and drop the recorder off. No, David tried to talk me into it sometimes. And, you know, I got the stuff to put it. So I'd keep them, and I never did it because I, there was just no way. Um, but every night I would go and, and I would um, put it out and that was easy for me. You know, I, I would state, you know, the date I would state, I got, you know, later on I'd say, start saying things if something happened or the weather um, because I was learning more and more how to, um, you know, what we needed to try and, and maybe start making predictors, you know, whether, you know, the moon phases or, um, you know, tidals or, you know, the weathers and things like that. And and I don't think any of us, David or myself, thought that we would be recording three years later and still getting stuff. Well, Greg, I'm I'm interested to know what about those initial recordings changed your mind? What did you hear? The very first night that we recorded, I got, I was in town that week, um, and I got a call in, in my local office from Donna, kind of excited and kind of uh, shocked, I guess 
uh, at the same time in her voice. And she sent me a file, and the file very clearly had vocalization. And um, when I'm not when I'm saying vocalization, I'm not talking howls or grunts. There were words being spoken in a language that I don't know or anyone's been able to decipher. The word was being said between between two different voices and David actually thinks he's picked up a third voice um, in that conversation between something right outside our house at three in the morning. Of course, it's always at three in the morning. Everything (laughs) is always at three in the morning. There's something about that, isn't there? Yeah, there is. If I didn't know better, I'd say that's a that's a human. But that's, yeah. that, that's the one that just blew us away. That was oh my. that was uh, that sets you back. Now here is more looped. Sounds like some. There's like a different word in there or something like that. Sometimes, and then people are listening to this, um, putting the headsets on. I know like when I'm listening to, to these and going through the sounds and stuff, putting headsets on, it really does help. Oh, yeah. People having trouble, put the headsets on. Yeah, anybody that's listening to this, number one, you should be listening to it with headphones on anyway. Because <laughs> that's why we do this thing. Direct to your ears. Direct to your ear holes. And this one is labeled Whoopee Man Returns. That's so weird. It's creepy. Huh? That's... These are, these, and, and I don't know if he's got the dates on those, but I think those are many months apart between those two. Um, and there's, there's, there's difference. You can tell that first one. What blew me away um, when we heard that is how close that has to be to get on that recorder. Yeah. That, yeah. that clearly. Um, it had to have been just right there um, off our deck. It, it um, reminds me of the the growl. And I know this is in here because we played it when we did the ventriloquist episode. Did we play it then or did we play it a when you went to go check on the chickens or that or the goats? No, it, actually, it was that when Greg was out with with uh, with uh, I was out with the dog. Layla, out with the dog, and then the growl happened when they were outside. Oh no, no. Okay, so I'm talking about the goats are making noise, and you slide the door. Oh, and you're like, hey guys. And it literally sounds like it's over your shoulder. It's like, 
That was a creepy piece of audio too, though, because it just sounded like it was right, right next to you. And I'm curious if if you remember that clearly. Did you? You know, sometimes, and I don't know if the the if the slider's going open or if it's going closed. Um, what we notice is like when I close the slider and go inside, there'll be vocals. Sometimes I hear things. Sometimes I don't. There's one, and I don't know if you guys ha- have it yet. Where I was actually outside, I announced, you know, I did the whole recorder thing. Hey, it's such and such a date, it's such and such a time, and da 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 da. Um, something's going on, and um, and you know, I do this every single night, and every single night I do it just about dar- dark. Um, not, it's not quite dark yet for the most part. Most time it's just getting dusk. So every single dusk time I do it every single night, and um, I'd done that, and I'd gone off to the side of the deck. Um, I was still on the deck, um, doing something with a plant or something. And uh, the car, a car is coming in, and you can hear the car coming up the road. And frantically, I'm hearing the voices, and they're in the woods, in the ravine, and they're rushing away from me, and there's two of them. And I can hear them talking. I call talking or their communication. And we've got that recorded, um, and you probably have that too. And that's the, it's one of them is the whoopee whoopee voice, and another it's another one going down. Yeah. Yeah. So let's let me see. I want to play a couple of the whoops, also the crow talker. Okay. And so let's just see. This is just a random loud whoop that is looped. Again, so close. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So close to the microphone. Here, this is labeled percussive voice. It's almost like a grunting type sound or something like that. Mm-hmm. And here is the crow talker. Dude, that is so creepy because that is so Indian in nature. That yeah, that harkens back to a lot of the Skinwalker discussions about the way that the brujos will mimic animals. That gives me chills. And then yeah. this is just labeled a voice five times. Most of this stuff seems to be, I mean, more or less gibberish or, you know, they they seem to be have some sort of words. I, we've heard, and I'm sure we'll play some of it, the direct mimicry that sounded like they're they're mimicking yeah, if you, you wanna, guys. If but you... a lot of this stuff sounds like, I, I don't, you know, and it's it's hard to tell if, if, if it seems like they have their own language or if they're just making noises or what, what it is that's going on. Yeah, I, I would assume, and, and again... <laughs> You know, we don't know definitively just because, guess what, we don't have a study group or anything else like that. My guess, personally, and this is my personal guess, and this, you know, everybody has their opinion, and, 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 everybody, and, and this is going to be based on what I know right now. You know, I'm going to suggest that it, it, it's, um, it's some type of communication. Um, they're communicating back and forth. Yeah. You know, these things do not want to be seen, in my opinion. They don't want to be discovered, obviously. 
and um, you know they they mix it up, or you know they have a way that you know whether they sound like a crow, like the crow talker, or they sound like this or sound like that. Those are sounds like in the whoop sound I've heard during the day, um, or sounds that you know you might hear and not think twice of unless you know what's going on or you've you've gotten so used to the sound being around. Let's go ahead and talk about Layla. Okay. When do you remember the first time that you heard someone other than yourselves say your dog's name? <laughs> um, I, I'll, I'll answer that one and let Donna chime in. But I talked about the uh, when it upped the ante for me when I heard the, the whoopee thing. Ugh. This one... This one just totally blew me away because now this, what I would categorize and have, you know, in my mind come to believe being some type of maybe unknown or hybrid ape species or whatever that's out and about around our home now can mimic and say, well, put it this way. Now is calling our dogs out in the middle of the night by name. That changed everything for me in terms of my belief of what it is. Did did that worry you about your uh, your dog's safety? Did you think it was actually trying to to get your dogs, or was it just something that it was saying that it heard you say quite often outside? I think it, it didn't worry me. Um, nothing ever happened to the goats. Nothing ever happened to the chickens. I think they were entertained by them. Hmm. It didn't worry me. It just fascinated the hell out of me. That's really funny because I've heard that kind of description. Uh, Our friends over at the NAWAC, they feel like that they must be entertainment for the apes on some level. That Why do they hang out? Why do they throw rocks at our cabin to try to get us to move move around? Yeah, It's because they're bored and we're like their TV show. (laughs) We show yeah. up and they want to see us do stuff. And well, I mean, to that to that very point, when we got rid of the goats that night, we had house slaps because somebody was upset. Oh wow! Wow! Really? Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and when you, you say house slaps, I mean you're talking about somebody walking up to the side of your house, somebody quote walking up to the side of your house and banging their hand on the side of it. Right, and, and there's two different kinds of house slaps. There's one that, that, that um, on the one side of the house, um, they actually, it's not just one slap. They'll just bang, 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 bang. It's almost like a, David calls it a drumming. And then sometimes you get a, just a house whack, like a big whack alongside the house. Would you ever go investigate? Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Craig's gone most of the time. If, if he's home, he'll, he'll, he'll get up and go look or something. Um, after the, the, you know, something, but, you know, Greg got rattled one night too. Um, there is a, um, where he sits, um, there's a window right there and, uh, he has his, uh, you know, reclining chair there and he usually does, is on the computer working on work. And then on, we have a ravine side and then we have a side that makes a wooden fence. One night he was sitting there and something took a stick and ran it right up alongside the very very loud scraped it right alongside the um the the fence on the opposite side of the you know where you couldn't see it um right up right to where greg was at 
It mm. was extremely loud, and, and that had Greg rattled for a long time. Throughout all this, these recordings, I mean, you you guys did have at least a couple of more sightings, right? Yeah, I was. Um, th- th- there's one definitive sighting I can say after that first sighting I had, and one kind of. I was, um, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you both. Um, the one that I, I I only saw a brief glimpse of something that I think could have been. Um, I was down below, um, and I had the goats with me, and I had the dogs uh, with me. And keep in mind, um, we cleared quite a bit because there was so much. It was what you're seeing with the pictures you saw, how it's cleared there with a yard kind of and stuff down below. That was all as dense as it was uh, the forest around there. That's how dense that was there. And things were happening very, very close. And I wasn't even, I, I couldn't go out. I, I didn't feel comfortable going out to the garden or anything because the forest was right there. So Greg did a wonderful thing and we had some help and we cleared off, a, a, you know, a, a span of space. So I was out um, below, um, kind of by, and I was becoming a little bit more comfortable, um, kind of by the, 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 these trees and stuff. And I started walking, um, a, a goat and I started walking towards, uh, not meaning to, but towards the forest but after something. And something broke off a branch and brushed it down, like made as much noise as it could, breaking off a high branch and, and breaking it down all the way through the tree, you know, making it as much noise as it could. And um, and I, I backed off and I and I and I yelled and I had a cap on. I had never worn a cap before. And I took my cap off and I said, it's, you know, David had schooled me on things to do. You know, it's 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 me type of thing. And I backed off and um, I sat out there for a long time. And I had called David too, by the way, because I was so shaken up because it was so close. And talked to him. And I got off the phone. I sat there and watched and watched and watched. It must have been about 30 minutes. And all of a sudden, I saw something um, in the bushes, um, just a brief glimpse of something, you know, in the tree line of black, just just very uh, steady, no movement up and down, just very steady going through a brush. And that's all I saw at that time. I believe that was one of them, uh, you know, a, a glimpse of one. I don't know because I didn't see the whole thing. The other time was when my, Greg goes, when he's in town and even when he leaves to go to the airport. He leaves really, really early, so it's dark. And we have kind of a courtyard, and it has a light that will come on when there's something going on, and it's got a yellowish tinge to it. So Greg had left for work, and all of a sudden, of course, the dogs wanted out, and I hate going out And um, when he's not around at night. But I opened it up, and I don't go outside the doorway. I just would stand there, and the dogs just went, you know, real close, a potty, and came back in. And I shut the door and ran upstairs to go back to bed, and I had just was going to hop in bed, and I looked out my bedroom window, and peeking over the fence line, I saw one, and I, I just saw a glimpse of it because I got scared and got back in the covers and called Greg, but it was from, like, the chest up, and I saw the face, and the the light was shining on, there was, like, the forehead-type area. It was actually glistening. It made a glistening, so the, the David believes there's, you know, maybe some oil there or something like that, but it was... It was very brief, and it was it was enough for me. So it scared me again. Wow. Yeah, you, you, you asked me a question early on uh, in our conversation of, you know, what were my feelings with Donna being home alone? Was I afraid for her? And, mm-hmm. you know, my answer to that question at that point in time was I felt bad and all that type of stuff. But honestly, after some of this stuff would occur, the story she told about 
having the hat on, and I firmly believe it didn't recognize her and it was wondering who was there. Uh, a, a very real part of me feels that if I was away and something did happen there, that whatever, whoever would probably step in or try to defend. Hmm. I just, I just feel that, it, that it, you know, again, if it was, if it was something that was negative or after us, man, they had plenty of opportunity. Yeah. So there's almost a, uh, a symbiotic relationship there. Mm-hmm. I don't know about that, but <laughs> I imagine hey. it's quite different when you see one peeking over the fence at you, perhaps. Or... Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's... And, and and Greg's right, and in, in that you know they they had plenty of chances um, to hurt somebody if they wanted to. I mean, and and a lot of people have had instances where that's happened. You know, they they've been close enough where if someone wanted to hurt them, they could. I think like anything, though, if you it was cornered and it felt in jeopardy, or maybe a young if they had a young one or something like that, then of course I think they're going to strike out and, and do something. Yeah. You know, there's plenty of, of circumstances where things have happened. I just think, like with anything, you just have to be careful. Just because I don't want to assume that other people have listened and heard some of this, I'm just going to play a couple of the Layla's, and then I'd okay. like to get you your reaction. Obviously, I know you guys have heard this stuff, but let's uh, let's play a couple of these Layla's, and then let's talk about the baby. Okay. that when that happened greg no i i i didn't hear i not not once did did i ever hear anything you know um audibly that i recognized here's another one gosh these are so- I tell you the one, the one, the one, and, and they're all amazing. But the one that really blew me away, um, the first time that I heard anything, and David was able to find a lot more um, Layla-related type of stuff that we're hearing. But the first time that I heard it was a, an early morning recording that I was out of town, and in, in the same cadence that Donna would call the dogs. Bridget, Bridget, Layla. That to me is the most extraordinary one out of there. If we don't, um, I'm sure I, we can put it in. Yeah, I may, I may later. have to edit it in. It sounds like a deaf person trying to talk. But let me see you if it's like, this one. Hang on just a sec. That's it. Yeah. The, the, the amazing thing about that, beyond the obvious, 
is if you would hear Donna call the dogs, it's that exact same cadence. cadence. Layla, Layla Bridget. Exactly. Yep. And that's, I mean, you, it's, it's interesting you mention a deaf person. I, I, I mean, I, we've talked to David about this a little bit, and I, uh, we, we brought up the, um, the, also the comparison of a ventriloquist where you're trying to form words, but you're not really using the muscles or the, the, your mouth, like you, like a normal human would, would be, you're forming words in a, in a way, but you don't really know how to. And right. that's, that's kind of how, what I hear when I, when I hear that audio, it sounds like someone, or there's something out there trying to replicate human speech, but it doesn't quite have the motor ability to move its lips, to move its tongue in, in quite the way that we do. So it does the best it can. And it ends up sounding like, like a ventriloquist would. Exactly. And I just, it's, 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 it's got that sound to it. And there's, there's an interesting article um, David and I both discovered um, about, about the same time. Cause we, we, sometimes we do research, we, we decide we're going to look something up um, about what Neanderthals would sound like based on, you know, what they thought was the head and the structure and everything else. And they have a higher tone to them. They, they thought there's a big article on it and we'd have to look it up and, and send it to you. Um, I think probably have it in the emails if David hasn't sent it to you. And that's when you listen to these, to me, for something so large, these some of these sounds that they're making, they seem like it should be that rough, rough stuff. And some of it is, don't get me wrong. But some of it doesn't seem like, a, a, you know, like these are so large people. They're making such a, a petite that sound, high, I guess. Higher pitch nasal. Higher octave. Poison. Yeah. Right. What's the deal with the baby doll? I need to hear this story now. Oh, my word. So I was at a store, and, you know, David. David's really good about, you know, doesn't want to force me to do anything and, and, and uh, you know, but try something. And so we had done, um, I don't know if you, did you hear about the peanut butter jar? I don't know. I feel like I showed you that. That's the picnic table thing. Yeah, exactly. And maybe that's a story for another time so I didn't get sidetracked. But so I had been at this store, and I saw this doll, this little doll, at a, you know, I think it was at um Rite Aid or something like that. And the doll had a button. It was dressed as a little cheerleader. And it wasn't, you know, eight inches tall maybe. And it, you could make it sit and stand. And, and when you push the button, it, um, it sang. It's like I, something, something, stand up, sit down, I cheer or something like that. I can't remember the word. It was, it was a little cheerleader that said, I twist and shout and turn about. That's that's the one, and yeah, twist and shout and turn about, and, and it, it says it in a sing-song type of voice. And so I put that down on the picnic bench down there, and we had taken a, a, a bench of a picnic table and put it down there, and we would put things on it every once in a while, and things would happen or, or something. You know, I think that's probably when things started being gifted back. Put this doll on there, and I put some rocks on it, and I'd put it in a certain way. And to me, the doll had never been really messed with. You know, one time I found it turned on the side, and, and we had gone to um, the summit in Washington, and I think that's the one that you're going to, mm-hmm. Clint. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd gone there, and, and, you know, I came back, and, you know, it looked like, you know, it was matted down around it, but, you know, I never paid attention, and I didn't think it, anything, it wasn't paying attention to it, or it wasn't around, because sometimes you just don't know, or, you know, you just don't know. So I, I took it back in, and it was at least a month later that I get this uh, this. Uh, email and then a phone call directly after the email, wondering what the heck, 
you know, did the, what was the neighbors letting these, this kid play outside? You know, what? it sounds like a kid outside. So this is just what David hears, this audio, and he's like, what the heck is this? Exactly. And so he sends that to you, correct? And I started laughing. Yeah, he sent it to me, and I, I of course, called him right back and, and said, that's the doll. I said, that's been sitting there, and I never, it hadn't really moved. You know, it didn't look like it was moved. It's always sitting in the same place and the same thing, like nothing's messed with it. And obviously something had. So something presumably was picking it up and squeezing it and making it sing. You can't just squeeze it. You have to press the button on the belly. Ah, and here's another one. I mean, you can tell, again, with the percussive yep. sounds. It's, I move around, I jump around. I, exactly. Yeah. But I can can you imagine David's face just being like, you know, <laughs> as, he's, that? as he's there in his house and it's dark outside and he's got his headphones on and he's looking at the spectrum analysis like, I'm sure his eyes just got wide as saucers. He probably thought he was catching ghosts or something out there as well. <laughs> And well, can you imagine though being because when I put it down there, I, I, you know, I pressed it a couple of times, you know, I played with it, you know, and, and and put it down there and stuff like that. So if something, what gets me is something had to watch me press that button. How else would it know? Yeah, but they never, I they mean, never took it or 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 anything. No, I mean we we've had some things missing, some things yeah. taken, um, and and of course things left with us. They've got this. Um, uh, there's these blue tile things. We have no idea where they come from. There's nothing around our house. Um, we've never seen it. It looks like old tile, and it gets we get tile left all over the place. Or we had a baby doll leg that was left for us one time. It was just bizarre. Bigfoot currency. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, David sent me the picture of the the cover. A swimming pool, like where the filter. Oh yeah, yeah, something like that. So and these would be left on on that table, or just left? They'd be broken, missing. And then this one, I think he sent to me, was like it was laying next to another one. What happened was, is that that thing went missing. The the you were talking about the smaller. Yeah, and y'all replaced smaller. it, and then exactly. So and one that looks like it. it's two years old and kind of broken. Is just laying next to the brand new one. They would always have to replace these. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So when we replaced it, then all of a sudden that showed up. For full disclosure, you guys have moved away from from this place, right? Correct. What What drove that decision? Was this Was this just getting to be too much, or were there other factors involved and not Bigfoot related? the driving factor overall, I, I go back to talking about lifestyle and Donna being comfortable being outside, uh, being able to walk around, be able to 
be outside with animals, be able to garden, just feel free um, and relaxed. And, you know, that had been, you know, even as fascinating and everything as, uh, as it all was, I mean, that had been uh, uh, removed from our lives. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, that was, that was, you know, certainly a driving factor in, in, in our decision. And I mean, you know, there are other advantages. I'm, I'm a little closer to where I work and all that kind of stuff. But um, overall, it's created freedom for us to go outside and do the things that we like to do, regardless of day or night and that type of stuff. But do you miss it? That's a great question. <laughs> I, I guess maybe the right answer is, is, is yes and no. The intrigue of every day, just open ears and listening and being more keenly aware of what is around versus just the casual ability to walk outside and just do your thing. Yeah, it's it's different. Is Bigfoot activity something that you have to disclose in a when you put a place up for sale? Like <laughs> haunted activity? Do you have to disclose that? I don't know. I was wondering because <laughs> I'll tell you this right now. I would think that knowing some of these Bigfoot folks the way that I do, I would think there would be some people that would be swooping in trying to buy the place. But so who knows? I mean, it may end up being beneficial for you. You may end up yeah. getting a more sizable offer if that ends up being the way that you characterize I, I, it. I, I felt I felt that way. You know, I mean, it's it's possible. You're right. I mean, it's. It's such a unique scenario. There's places in New Orleans that if you're walking in the quarter, there are signs hanging from the overhang when there are flats upstairs that are for lease that will say for lease slash haunted for lease slash not haunted. Mm. And they're, I mean, they're hanging everywhere. Oh, wow. That's interesting. They're very oh, upfront about it. Bigfoot. It, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> slash for, occupied. For sale Bigfoot. slash Wookiee man. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, look, uh, no matter whether you live there now or not, um, I, the the audio and the stories that you have told and you've shared have been some of the most compelling stuff that I have ever, even, even doing this, you know, doing this show for as long as we've done it and following the subject for even longer. This has been some of the most compelling stuff that I've heard or, or uh, listened to. And so I'd say, like, I don't know, you guys have a pretty special place in the the history of this subject. And I think if there comes a day when it becomes, uh, becomes more fact than fiction, then I think some of the stuff that you guys gathered will be a big driving force of uh, helping to prove that. Well, I think that's, that's the, the whole point is, is just, you know, collecting data on all this stuff. I mean, and, and, and to this point, everything that we've collected and everything that we've listened to now, it's just interesting stuff. I mean, we, unless I'm looking at something and it's coming out of somebody's mouth, it's mouth, Sasquatch mouth. I mean, we don't know. Yeah. If that makes sense. But it's really odd. It's really weird, and, and it's, it's, it's affected me uh, tremendously. 
one of the things you asked, you know, Greg, you know, do you miss it, do you not? I am now, of course, fascinated with the subject. Being and living in it is a lot different than going someplace and maybe doing some research and being able to come home and relax. Right. Let it let it trample someone else's garden. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> not full disclosure, but a little bit of disclosure. I think I'm going to go to the Devil's Creek before it changes hands. Are you at least going to come over while I'm there, Donna? Of course. Or have course. you or have you such abandoned the place that You know, I have not been back since we moved. Greg's gone back and forth. I haven't been back. But I'll I'll go back and visit. Yeah, I'll, I'll go back and see you. Cuz it'll be interesting to see now that you guys have been gone for a little while and since there was such a big storm, I'm sure they are freaking out. Like, where did you guys go? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I will. I, I haven't shared this with Donna, but when I went back um, just the other day, let's just put it this way. The place was not as I left it um, the time before. And, and, and just the, the, what, it, what had happened is the where we had the chickens, the chicken coop door was shut and the pack room door with the supplies was shut. When I got back there, uh, both were wide open. They're looking for you guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, they were, there, was, there was instances, I mean, I, I don't know if Greg looked for if there was stuff missing, but, you know, we had instances where things would be missing, um, grains and things like that, especially the goat grains, which is a, a sweeter um, and all of a sudden, you know, you'd have a full bag, and the next thing you know, there's no full bag there. There's barely any left. Um, it's like sitting on the, a bag you know, of potato chips. Exactly. Well, or the apple tree. I mean, we have an apple tree right there by the house. And just about the time that all the apples, you know, you'd be ready to pick them, they'd be totally wiped out in one <laughs> night. Boom, gone. <laughs> what a nuisance. I mean, that's that's I so that's so mean. How rude. <laughs> so rude. <laughs> One other thing before before we close this down, I want to, well, two pieces of audio that I want to share because I feel like these coincide with some of the audio that we've played from Arkansas, and I feel like that's kind of an interesting thing. And one thing that David and I talked about now, remember earlier me mentioning the horn vocalization from the that happened right before the Falk howl. This is mm-hmm. the horn vocalization captured at Devil's Creek. Hmm. Sound bursty. Yeah. But you can also tell kind of why that would be, why he thought that an initial audio, thinking that that could have been the cow and the one from the Falk. But then also, and man, there's so much to discuss with this, but the Wahoo. Mm-hmm. And there's a few of these. Here's one of them. Here's another one. Now, Matt, you've seen the video yes. of the baboon. Yeah. Did David share this with you guys? I'm sure it was something in the, it was just within the circle that somebody sent him, and it's a video pretty up close of a baboon which looks to be in the wild. 
and he's sitting on his butt, hands at his side. The wahoo that he, I mean, it's a dead ringer for that, that wahoo. No, I haven't. I, he hasn't it, sent that to me. Of course, I haven't had internet either. So Right. It's uh, it's shocking. Yeah, it's wow. It's up again. It's up close. But if you can imagine that being out in the woods somewhere, it's the same sound. It's almost one. It's freaky how loud it is coming from that body. Because again, we're just talking about a baboon. He's a few feet tall. But then the uh, the cadence of it is so similar to. These wahoos, which again have been captured in the Pacific Northwest and in the South, and David's even working with a family in Alabama. Yep, they match up exactly. It's again like fingerprints when we're talking about spectrum analysis. Yeah, and that's what that's what's interesting to me. We're hearing these sounds all over, like the horn sound. Um, you heard it. You know, I've got it. It's been all over the place. There's another guy um, that has been that keeps track. Um, Mahaga, whatever his name is. What's his name, Greg? After Monongahalia. Monongahalia. Um, he keeps track of sounds too, and he he's recorded, you know, the, the 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 horn sound. And that horn sound, by the way, I was out on the deck when that happened. There's some things that were happening, and I'd gone out on the deck um, trying to figure it out, and it was ten, fifteen feet away for me producing that sound. Wow. And it was just an incredible amount of volume being blasted with. And, and um, if you listen to the, you know, if David gives you the whole thing or I can send it to you, you'll, you'll hear that happen. Me get the dogs in, you know, the, Bridget, our little one, our older dog, shut the door and I can, you know, Bridget's prancing about and I'm just like, be quiet. You know, I'm just trying to decide whether I'm going to need a shotgun or something. Um, it's just, it's just ama- the volume of it was just amazing, and there's a couple of sounds like there's um, when when we when uh, that first I could, I don't remember if it was like the spring or something after we started recording. Um, there's this volume that something was like an E sound, like a like a vowel being shouted out, an E sound with an A at the end, and the volume of this thing that was coming out and it was fairly close was amazing how it just is just so much volume coming out of whatever the Sasqu- whatever Sasquatch or whatever it was to saying it. Wow. It's crazy. Yeah, it's amazing and it's so much fun though. <laughs> it's uh if you're not living right there all the time with it, I think I think I'd have a lot more fun with it. Right. I understand. And hey, I think that all praise to you. What an incredibly strong woman you are to be able to deal with this at for lengths of a time while Greg abandons you, clearly. <laughs> oh, gallivants around and leaves, leaves you, to you the there. Of the wild. <laughs> leaves you with the Wookiee man. <laughs> so, so, some, some defender I am, right? Right. Exactly. <laughs> no, it's, um, it's, it's amazing. First of all, I really appreciate you guys taking the time to tell us this story. Subsequently, our listeners. Again, this is something that there are people in the Bigfoot community, obviously, who know who you are. and But y'all have kept this really close to the vest for obvious reasons. And I really appreciate you letting us be the guys that help tell your story. 
and I'm really excited about being able to come and meet you guys really soon and hanging out. Well, I mean, you guys made it really easy. This is the first time we've done this, so. We try to be easy. That's what we're here it's for. A little... <laughs> it's a little <laughs> odd, though, right? It is. It's very odd. I was telling Matt that, let's see, it was the end of March when I was in Falk and had the howl happen to me, or it was the end of, no, that's not right. It was the end of April. And then I went back a couple months later and there was a period there for like a month where it was all I could think about. I really honestly couldn't, I was having a hard time with other stuff. Like this isn't what I want to be consuming my mind. And I went back and just being in the area, it brought back all of those feelings and Mm -hmm. It's something that's not real easy, and I can only imagine if it is your home that we're talking about. I don't blame you guys for bailing. It's just going to be interesting to see what happens when the real estate agent is showing the place, if that's <laughs> that's something that's included in the brochure. They don't put that on the brochure, do they? <laughs> um, I mean, how, do you, how do you disclose that, too, without sounding like you're a little off? I know. I know, I know, I know that I know David is is a little disappointed. He understands, and and the guys at the OP understand Olympic Project. Um, but they're a little disappointed because it's uh, it's research for them, and it's, and now I can look back and say it's research too, and not have to to live it every day. There's a, I mean, we have thousands of thousands of uh, hours of recordings. And so, right. I want to and, stress to people that we've played maybe twenty clips, maybe, and I. Me, I have 150 plus clips yeah. in my email and on my computer. This is just like a very small thing. So I could obviously, it makes sense that they would be not too pleased that they would be losing one of their, <laughs> <laughs> one of their favorite research haunts, There's especially a place that is as nice as oh. the Devil's Creek, which... That was the other thing that shocked me is you hear these kind of things are happening and it sounds like, oh, this must be some shack in the woods that they're living in or <laughs> all this wild ass shit's That's happening. Beautiful. And I saw it and I was like, whoa, this place is amazing. Yeah, we actually had running water. <laughs> yeah, a little bit more than running water, I think. It's um, a beautiful place. It is. It's, it's a beautiful place. And so if you're interested in buying a Bigfoot property, call me. <laughs> and I will act as uh, liaison to Donna and Greg. Right, right. My commission is maybe a little bit steep, but then again, you know, who else wants to deal with all these lunatics that would be wanting to buy it just because it's a big exactly. property? <laughs> right. You know, like, you know, who, who would want to buy that? I think, uh, Matt, you need to take off and we're going to. We're going to close it down, but I don't know what else to say except thank you. And I can't, I can't wait to, can't wait to do it again. This has been amazing. We're looking for the, for you to be there. Are you, Greg, are you coming up? Because I'm getting a back feed. He's sneaking up on you. <laughs> he is. He came upstairs. He has to go back down to the man cave. I've been kicked out again. <laughs> oh boy. Well, hey, we're going to let you oh, guys. This, was, this is not too boring. We didn't sound too boring, did we? No, it was great. Dude. I'm so excited. Yeah. You have no idea. I this can't is, wait to put this out. This is great for us. It's going to, 
you already saw the way that just the one episode stirred up the Reddit community. <laughs> this is oh, so dear. light the fuse and get away. Yeah. I can't wait. <laughs> Sometimes I just like hitting them with a roundhouse and nobody's <laughs> expecting anything. Thank you so much, Greg. It's a pleasure talking to you too, brother. Yeah, likewise. Appreciate uh, appreciate you guys' help. And we'll talk to you guys real soon. Have a great night. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Sweet silver angels over the sea Please come down flying low for me One time I trusted a stranger Cause I heard a sweet song And it was gently enticing me There was something wrong When I turned he was gone Blinding me His song remains Reminding me He's abandoned And a heartbreaker Oh Jesus was a cross maker Sweet silver angels Over the sea Green 
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.